This is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Well, if you have a Bible, please uh, open again at John 1. And I suppose I, I begin with a very simple question. Are you a believer? Are you a believer? What do you believe? What do you believe about Jesus? What do you really believe about Jesus? The question is not, what are you supposed to believe? The question is not, what are you told to believe? The question is not, what did you used to believe? The question is not, what does your church believe? The question is very simple, what do you believe about Jesus? One uh, writer, one preacher put it like this, what you believe about Jesus is either killing you or creating life. Now, when I first heard it, I thought to myself, now that sounds a bit extreme. But no. Because if you believe in a Jesus that's not real, if you believe in a Jesus that's not real, then that's going to kill you. If you believe in the real Jesus, you're going to have life. Not just now, but forevermore. So we've got to be very careful about what we believe about Jesus because slowly and surely, the belief that we have about Jesus is either creating beautiful life or it's slowly killing us. The purpose of, of John's gospel is very clearly stated. Right at the end of the book, John says this, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Believe and have life. That's what the Gospel of John's really about. And the questions that we're going to be asking over and over again in the series, and by the way, we're continuing John's Gospel after Christmas. We're going to do the prologue up to Christmas. But these two questions we're going to ask regularly. What is real life? And how do we get real life? How do we get it? And it's all bound up, of course, in Jesus. Words that you will hear again and again and again are words like life, receive, believe. Take the word life, for example. The noun life is is recorded in John's gospel 35 times. The verb, 15 times. 50 times 
The idea of life or living is mentioned. Now, we all know that um, life is very important. Physical life is important. Hands up if you're physically alive right now. Oh dear, I'm going to have another funeral or two (laughs) this week. Physical life is important. You are physically alive, but you and I know that you can be physically alive, but things inside our heads, inside our heart can be very, very dead. Maybe you feel dead, empty, vacant. Emotional life is another kind of life that's very important. In fact, it's essential to, to function as a, a healthy human being. You've got to be emotionally alive. And that comes when we feel loved and valued and included and empowered. It's very important, that emotional life, isn't it? But we're not talking here about physical life. We're not talking about emotional life. We're talking about spiritual life. We're talking about eternal life. The life of God, in a sense, born in us. Life from God to us. Peter talks about it in 2 Peter 1.4 that we are partakers of the, of the divine nature. Partakers of the divine nature. In other words, it's the miracle of regeneration. God's DNA, as it were, is born in us. And we're alive. We're really alive. In John 15, Jesus describes himself as the vine and we are the branches. In other words, he gives us life. And we're going to see that over and over and over again. He gives us real life. Only he can do that. That's the real Jesus. So Jesus alone is qualified to give us life. But come on, let's be honest. We struggle to believe this, don't we? We struggle to receive this. How do I know? Because we cling to our idols, don't we? We grab at materialism. We panic over all our problems. We live with our guilt. We practice our secret sins. We neglect our faith. The list goes on. And we end up struggling, frustrated and empty. And maybe, maybe once again, we've got to come and say, Jesus, the real Jesus, let me see you. Let me hear you. Let me experience you. And because of all that goes on in our lives and all that goes on in the world, very often we say, Jesus is not enough. Hence the, the idols and the materialism and the guilt and the problems and the secret sins. Jesus is not enough. But can I tell you, the Jesus is not enough Jesus is not the real Jesus. The Jesus is not enough Jesus is not the real Jesus. Because the real Jesus is enough. Jesus is the real life, and Jesus shows us how to receive it. So that's why we get excited about Jesus. That's why we sing his praise. That's why we remember his coming into the world at Christmas. That's why we remember his death and resurrection, ascension, and return. It's all about Jesus, you see. But what qualifies Jesus? What qualifies Jesus as the source of real life? What qualifies Jesus as the provider of salvation? I think right at the very beginning of John's gospel, John gives us three reasons. Some might say four, but we've combined three and four and three, okay? Here's the first one. 
Jesus is the divine word. That's why he's qualified to give you and me life. And the, the one thing that we should be thrilled about is that he existed be, beyond time and space. Let's look at those two verses, those two opening verses. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So he exists beyond time and space. And we know the frustration, do we not, of being shackled by the restraints of time and space, but not Jesus. In fact, it's crucial we understand this because it's only someone who's, who's outside of time and space can come to us within time and space and solve the problems that we have in time and space. The real Jesus takes people like us into the very deep heart of God. And only he can do that. Only he can do that. And by his spirit and through his word, he will make himself known to us. He will disclose his real self. He will reveal who he is in such a way that we will not be able to measure him in fact, we'll not be able to truly understand him. We'll not be able to control him. But we can experience him. We can believe. And we can live. And when we see his greatness, it will fuel our praise and it will power, empower our trust. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now, notice the use of the word, word, W-O-R-D. It's a description of Jesus that John only uses here in this section. He, he will use, as we will see, many other titles for Jesus, Christ, for instance, Lamb, Lord, God. There are going to be a whole host of images that, that John will use to describe who Jesus is. But here, he uses the word, word. But what does it mean? Now, I'm not going to go into all the, um, the theology of, of, of the Old Testament and also the, the Greek understanding, the philosophical understanding, but, but really what John is doing, and what I think is important for us to grasp, is that he's reflecting the first words of Genesis 1. In the beginning, God. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. And what was the first thing that we read God doing? He speaks. Verse 3, God said, let there be light and there was light. In the Bible, when God speaks, something happens. And that is how, in a sense, he reveals himself. Thus says the Lord, is recorded 3,808 times in the Old Testament. See, God is a speaking God. And, and, and so here in John 1, Jesus is the Word. He's the ultimate revelation of God, the supreme communication of, from God, the final self-disclosure of God. So if you want to know God, if you really want to know God, you've got to look at Jesus. You've got to listen to Jesus. You've got to know Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. 
It's interesting that other gospels start at different places. Mark's account of the ministry, Jesus begins with his baptism, basically. Luke begins his account with the birth of Jesus. So he goes back a stage. Matthew goes back a stage further. He goes back to the family tree of Jesus, right back to Abraham, would you believe it? But here in John, he goes back even another stage to eternity past, to the beginning of creation. And so Genesis 1.1 and John 1.1, in the beginning, God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was, there you'll notice, and He was the Word, in the beginning was the Word, is an action of the past that continues in the present. So we might say this, in the beginning was, is, and always will be the Word. In the beginning was, is, and always will be Jesus, God, So Genesis 1, 1 and John 1, 1, do not let us debate the old question, does God exist? I wonder, are you ever asked that question? Does God exist? Here's how I answer that. God doesn't need our permission to exist. God doesn't need our permission to exist or the permission of any person to exist. He exists. How dare we question his existence? Here's a clear statement. In the beginning, God. In the beginning was the Word. There never was a time when the Word, there never was a time when Jesus was not. And the Word was with God, we also read there in verse 1. The focus there is on the equality with God, the relationship within the Trinity, this mutual, joyful, loving relationship is, is at the very heart of who God is. And the Word was God. The last bit of verse 1. The clear statement of deity uh, of Jesus in the Bible, co-eternal, co-equal, Jesus is, is God. Now, let's acknowledge our tiny, feeble minds struggle to take all of this in, but constantly continually. He's God always. Verse 2, in a sense, summarizes and repeats verse 1. He was with God in the beginning. Just in case we're a bit slow, just in case we don't understand it, just in case we can't grasp the magnitude of this truth, he repeats it. This pre-existent God is the only one who can fix my mind and my heart and my soul and yours too. This is why he alone must fix us and save us and keep us. And by the way, all through his ministry, and we're going to see that in the gospel, he, he, he proved who he was over and over and over again that he indeed was the pre-existent God. We see him stilling storms and raising the dead and forgiving sins and dying on the cross and rising again. We're going to see all these things. And it's proof after proof after proof. I am who I say I am. The truth and the power of his deity is on constant display. His very and every word, his every deed, his every miracle declaring, I am God. So these two verses are pulsating with vital truth about who Jesus 
is the real Jesus. And, and so I ask again, do you believe in this Jesus? And have you received this Jesus? Is he your life? So you may say, what qualifies you, Jesus, to be Savior and, and God and King? He says, because I was in the beginning with God, and I was God. That's what qualifies me. That's who I really am. The second thing we might say is that Jesus is the creative word, verse 3. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Everything in time and space has been made by him. In other words, Jesus is the, the energy behind the creation of the universe, and he's the glue that keeps it all together. And when we look at creation, we see the power and the wisdom and the beauty and the creative genius of Jesus, a visual aid of all he can do. And you can't get a bigger visual aid than the universe now, can you? Now, the statistics are pretty awesome and kind of get out of date even as we speak because it seems as if we discover more and more about the sheer size of the universe. There's about 100 billion stars in the average galaxy. And there's estimated about 1.4 billion galaxies. And Jesus made it all. And he's saying, I'm giving this to you to show that I'm qualified to fix you. I learned something this week about a thing called the Oort cloud. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of the Oort cloud. I hadn't. But apparently it's at the edge of the, um, the solar system, our little part of the universe. If you traveled at 35,000 miles per hour, it would take you 10,000 years to reach it. And the next near star is 25,000 years away traveling at 35,000 miles per hour. I, I can't even take those sorts of figures in. But he made space and all that's in it, and he made time and controls it. This is why he's qualified, actually, to fix you and me and us and our world. Every star, every atom, he made. And he alone can fix it. Are we getting a picture of the real Jesus? Do we believe in the real Jesus? Really? Because he transcends physical life. And he transcends intellectual and emotional life. By the way, all those things are falling apart around us. Physical life as we get older. Intellectual life as, as we seem to think we know better than the revelation of God. Emotional life as we just find brokenness in the way we live. And so we have broken bodies, broken minds, broken relationships. And Jesus says, I'm the only one that can fix it all. I want to start with your soul, he says. And then one day I'll, I'll fix your bodies because I am the creative word. I created time and space and I can fix you. That's the real Jesus, you see. Jesus outside of time and space, 
creator of time and space. Two reasons why he's qualified to be our savior. Thirdly, Jesus is the life and light giving word. I could have split that into two points, but you would have thought I was only cheating. So what does, what does he do? The good news is, of course, even though he was outside of time and space, and even though he created time and space, he actually entered time and space. Only a pure, beautiful God would do such a thing. That's exactly what he did. And we can know the one outside of time and space, the creator of time and space. We can know him, and we can know his life, and we can know his light, because that is who he is. Verse 4 and verse 5, in him was life, and that life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. I think what John is saying here, and right throughout the gospel, please, 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 please listen to me. As I tell you about the real Jesus. Why did God put on human flesh and walk among men? Why did God come into the world to die and rise again? To bring life and to bring light. That's why. Verse 4, in him was life. Of course, when Jesus came into the world, he entered a world filled with death. We live in a dying world, and we are dying people, and we need life. Life beyond the grave, life with God forever, even now, life in all its fullness. And Jesus says, I will give that to you, and I alone can give that to you, the eternal life giver. And when we become alive in Jesus by salvation, everything in this life changes, and everything in eternity changes. But he's also the eternal light giver. He's life giver. He's the light giver. Verse, end of verse 4, but, and that light, or that life was the light of man, and the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness is not understood it. The eternal light giver. We're surrounded by gloom and depression and violence and terror, aren't we? Maybe you can say, actually, inside my very head, inside my very heart, there's gloom and darkness. If only you knew, if only people around me knew how I really felt. We need light We need life for our deadness. We need light for our darkness. And Jesus brings light and life. So we don't need to, in a sense, stumble blindly in all the evil darkness of the world, even though strange as it may seem, it's, on one hand, it is putrid, it's disgusting, it's awful, we can see that. But on the other hand, we seem to be strangely attracted to it. We don't need to stumble blindly in evil darkness, looking for light in all the wrong places. We have, we have light offered to us in Jesus. Notice, by the way, the end of verse 5, but the darkness has not understood it. That's the world, isn't it? It doesn't understand Jesus. And unless, of course, the Holy Spirit 
grips our hearts and applies the word to our hearts, we will not understand it and we will just simply stumble on. But praise God, praise God when he does open up our hearts to have life and to have his light. Can I personalize this? There was a day when Jesus entered the awful darkness of my heart, the cool darkness of my heart. There was a day when he entered the awful deadness of my heart and he brought life and he brought light. And this is the kind of verse here that thrills your heart, does it not? For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So we move from death to life, from darkness to light. And the world around us prefers death and darkness. When Jesus says, I've got life and light. And to give us life, of course, he died on the cross. To give us light, he suffered three hours of darkness. So that he might be qualified to give you and me something we don't deserve, but something we desperately need. So, Jesus is the divine word. He was beyond time and space. He was the creative word. He made time and space and all that's in human history. But he's also the life-giving, light-giving word. And that changes everything. So please don't be confused. You don't need to be confused. You don't have to be in a position where you say, I don't understand this. He will help us understand He's more than a good man. He's more than a good teacher. He's, this is more than a nice story. But can I guarantee you this? If we don't know the real Jesus, we will reject the gospel. And we will restrict him. Because our self-centered self-glory will lead us into disbelief and unbelief and therefore unreal living. It cannot work. So what do you believe? What do you really believe? That he is God and creator, that he is the light and life giver, that he is the savior, the substitute that alone can fix us and our hearts and our families and our world. See, the unreal Jesus is not enough. The unreal Jesus actually will kill us. But the real Jesus will bring life and light. May God bless us as we study these passages together. And may he by his spirit grip our hearts and lives And may we know his peace. Father, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you just how 
just simple and beautiful it is. And we ask that over these weeks together as a church family, we will investigate who you are and we will confidently put our trust in the truth. And we know that the truth will indeed set us free and keep us free. Continue with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.